0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today's co-host is Kurt Ho-Hohan. ho oh. <laughs> Welcome, Kurt. Welcome back to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. Thank you, Mike. You technically work for Philcraft, so you <laughs> will always kind <laughs> yeah, of be here. Yeah. I just say co-host just in case you get fired. So you, you're <laughs> like, uh, wait a minute. So today's episode, we're going to do a episode solely dedicated to a guy's question from social media. And... The reason I want to do this is number one, he's deploying pretty soon. He's a he's an active duty platoon leader and in the infantry and deploying, and wants to know how he could align tactically exceptional teams in training and mindset for his own unit. This struck a chord with me because obviously we support guys who are downrange and you know supporting troops, first responders, whoever it may be, and this is kind of a time sensitive thing, right? Yep. So, you know, well, I kind of frag which is a fragmentation order, uh, <laughs> frag o kind of our, our lineup and decided to do this. Before we get into that question, one, let's talk about the last week. We did a podcast with the guys from Men's Podcast, right? Yep. How do you think that went?
1: Uh, I think it, it went really well. I mean, I think we were talking about it earlier, and uh, they asked some good questions, especially about uh, home defense um, what to carry in a survival bag, and then covered a you know a few other things, and um, it was uh, pretty exciting to get to share information with those guys and and their listeners.
0: Yeah, they're doing something that's pretty unique in kind of like the concept that I was thinking about for that book. Is they're giving a podcast that's bringing kind of man shit. You know, it's yeah. it's called man shit, but just a whole bunch of things that you know whether it's hunting tactics, survival, and they're giving. People a one stop shop for it, mm-hmm. and pretty cool go- uh, dudes. All of them are pretty neat dudes, right? Yeah, and they're
1: bringing in. I think they're bringing in a lot of different guys uh, with different backgrounds and a lot of diversity and information. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so check them out. It's uh, Men Men Podcast Men
1: Podcast Men yeah. Podcast. They're based out of Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Yeah, also at Men Podcast on social media on Instagram. Yeah, it's episode sixteen. It's under the Phil Craft Survival episode, yeah. and we definitely had a lot of fun. All right, so also this week we released the sniper podcast and we had a lot of good feedback on that yep. so far. It, you know what's weird is I thought that sniper podcast was going to be like one of the most popular ones because people wanted to hear about sniper stuff, but I don't know. It hasn't, I think it moved up to number five. We came from two to five. Now we're like 10 or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys want to hear stuff on long gun, on sniper stuff, and you haven't heard that one already, definitely give that a listen. Did we talk about the, the pistol course that we just ran? We didn't. Okay, so we did run a, a pistol course in Furling, Nevada, which is hugely successful. It was a lot of fun. Did a lot of running and gunning. We had a good class, a good class that was eager to learn. Uh, had some LE guys in that class. Yep. And totally, totally fun time. Leading up from this class, we actually do have a class 29 30 april the off the beaten path class we actually only have one slot for that class so if you're interested and we haven't filled it by the time you hear this uh give us a check at com. read about the course description essentially two days of off the beaten path off-roading survival training
1: yeah the description's on the website www.fieldcraftsurvival.com
0: yeah it's gonna be a good time i can't you? i can't wait for that it's gonna be a vacation for us <laughs> it's gonna be a good time for sure yeah also, we're, we're throwing around the idea of doing a May 6th because that's our first open day in Phoenix, Arizona. Still trying to narrow down a range. There, there's Cowtown. There's Ben Avery. There's a couple ranges, ranges around here. We're just trying to narrow it down. And more than likely, it's going to be Pistol. Yeah. But stay tuned and, and just check out our social media and uh, stay tuned for the release dates for that course. So, yeah, look forward to that. Oh, Moab. They did drop the Moab, right? Moab, yeah. That was a pretty big deal. Mother of all bombs. The mother of all bombs. Somebody was like, hey, did you go to Moab? Did you hear about the Moab? And I'm like, I was just in Moab. (laughs) You mean Utah, right? (laughs) No, the fucking bomb. So, yeah, we did drop a huge 21,000-pound bomb that has a kill radius of one square mile. And- it did a lot of damage, right? It killed like 100 ISIS fighters.
1: Yeah, I think uh, from some of the, the, the media reports I was reading, it said over 100 ISIS fighters and destroyed a underground cave slash bunker complex. Uh, obviously, in, in our opinion, the right answer to respond with, you kill one of our guys and we're
0: going to punish you. So Yeah, I think uh, you know, for every gunfight that they kick off, we just, just drop a Moab you shoot at us we're dropping a moab wherever you shoot at us from yeah, so that would probably change yeah. the game a little bit yeah so in, if you, in the right way hopefully you can run a mile really fast <laughs> yeah. after you shoot at us <laughs> um, yeah you know Afghanistan we were kind of talking about it Afghanistan you know since really 01 i mean we were in there before that but 01 after we did the what's known as the in- initial invasion into Afghanistan it's been 16 years yeah it's the longest recorded war in history Do do you see an end in sight?
1: Shoot, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we could probably make this a podcast in itself, talking about U.S. foreign policy and our objectives in different countries, nation building and all these different things. I think I have uh, the opinion that uh, we ought to go somewhere, kick somebody's ass and let them know that if they fuck with us again, they'll get their ass kicked again. Uh, Not really hugely into the nation building thing.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think we're... It's weird having that perspective, right? As Green Berets kind of maybe stabilizing, standing up, but we're kind of past that point. Yeah. I mean, we're well beyond that point. I mean, I remember in Afghanistan 12 years ago, training the Afghan National Army and the police. And we haven't really come a far away from that, that point, you know, a, a dozen years ago. So I don't know. It seems like a complex problem set. You almost envision the day that we pull out what it's going to look like. And I don't think it's going to look much different than 001.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, too, is uh, just cultural differences and, and a lot of different uh, differences based geographically, you know, where that place is located. I think that sometimes Americans are short sighted in the sense that this war that we're in is a war of ideology. And uh, it takes time to actually make that ideology go away uh, through education in a lot of different venues. Um, I think we're trying to work towards that, but it doesn't help when policy changes every time somebody steps
0: into office, so. Yeah, that's kind of one of the overall problems of institutions, period. Mm-hmm. We've experienced that in SF, and we see it in every sphere of institution. Mm-hmm. Goat rope is what we call it. <laughs> All right. So the question I got was a DM off of social media from a platoon leader. I won't say his name or his account, but he said, Mike, been listening to your fantastic podcast. I'm an infantry platoon leader in the, I won't say his unit and have been taking over a struggling platoon. A good podcast might be how leaders can build tactically exceptional teams through training and mindset. I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge that I could benefit from. And uh, thanks for what you've done. That strikes home with me because you know we don't we talk about individual mindset often because you know individual mindset is a mindset that derives from special operations where you need the ability to be a strong minded, physically fit uh, individual before you could integrate and become a integral part of a high performance team. We've both been on detachments where we've seen guys who weren't so exceptional, kind of hold the team back. But then we also been on teams that everybody was exceptional and the team as a whole was just crushing everything. Uh, so th- the understanding is one, it's a deliberate process. And to do this, you just can't wing that shit. You know, what's funny is throughout my military career, I've done a lot of winging, even as a leader. But the the most pointed points in my life and in my career are the ones where I specifically injected something that was going to be a deliberate inject that increased the performance of the team. For example, let's say I said Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to do Team PT together and we're going to run. Well, those are deliberate time hacks that everybody knew that we were going to be together. And physically, we would see who was weak and who was strong. And it flushed out a lot of things when talking about the uh, development of a team and it, you know, just team cohesion, period. So you know, that with mental or just points of performance I wanted to measure. The institution of those deliberate processes increased performance because it's something I could measure. It wasn't just this thing where I just made it up exclusively as I went along. It was something like, hey, we're going to do an O course today. And we brought the team together. We did it. And then we were better at the end of it. So we'll try to flesh out some of these things that we talk about in building a team and and go from there. Well,
1: I think, you know, an, an interesting point that you're making kind of the where I'm what I'm pulling out of what you're saying is um, you're picking I, up what I'm laying down, picking up what you're laying down. But I think it's interesting in a physical aspect when you are building a team. Um, I think back to the days when I played football, baseball, I wrestled um, short period, wrestling, but football and baseball a lot. But the commonality in a lot of that was the physical suffering together, you know, help build the team. So, you know, it, it's, it was a lot like that in special operations. When you did physical training together, you know, you were suffering together in ways, and then that was helping build this atmosphere of uh, working together.
0: So I think that's the first one. The The first takeaway we just brainstormed together. The first takeaway is doing physical fitness activities together where people suffer together because those that suffer together stay together. And you could almost, you could apply that to almost anything, right? If you could, you could apply it to uh, life. You apply it to relationships. (laughs) Relationships. But you know, what it is, is it's it's the the reoccurrence or re-resiliency building where if you get through something tough together, let's say it's a relationship and you overcome it. You communicate after the fact. Maybe you have a fucking big blowout with your significant other, and it sucks. But at the end of it, if you reflect back on it and you can communicate what happened, what went wrong, identify what went right, and move forward with that, it could build you and make you stronger, more resilient, and, and that translates into the team dynamic.
1: Yeah, you're refining processes.
0: Refining processes. But you're, you're becoming more efficient. Exactly. So, you know, being phys- doing physical fitness activities together, w- number one, we teach that in the assessment course that we run. The next one is next month on the 27th in uh, Brentwood, California. But we teach that in that when you break somebody down and it tests their resolve and their will, they come out of it stronger as long as they get through it. If if they have you know they're suffering physical pain, which is testing their mental resolve, and they're able to overcome at the end of it. If their body's broken, the body will heal, and then the mind, just like the muscles heal, will build this this layer of resiliency.
1: I think the interesting thing, and using the example, the assessment class that we taught in louisiana is individually you know the the physical tasks for guys were difficult right but we brought these guys from all over the united states that signed up for the course they didn't know each other you know they showed up for the weekend and they didn't uh nobody knew each other a couple of them knew each other but for the most part guys didn't know each other but when we started to uh do this physical training and teaching classes and you know, the right balance of the things that Mike and I saw uh, through long careers in special operations, it was an interesting dynamic to watch a bunch of civilian guys start to work together as a team. And, um, you know, and through the, the, the physical suffering, you know, building that resiliency and then starting to work together as a team, it was just a, it was an interesting dynamic for me to see because I, you know, I hadn't been out of the mill that long and watching a bunch of civilian guys, it was pretty neat.
0: I, I think that leads into something that just popped in my head is the number two, which is uh, set a standard. You know, one thing that we recognized inside that course, just like you said, was these guys started gelling. They were almost besties, right? They were like hanging out drinking <laughs> beer at the end because they overcame something together. What, what the commonality was, was even the fact that they had the same basic values and they were there for a common goal and objective brought them closer together right what also set them apart was the guys who suffered together and were able to maintain that standard came out and they would bond together and then isolate the guys who didn't set the standard mm-hmm. and, and we've seen it in the in the team dynamics and special operations i mean it's a, it's it's a it's kind of i say this often it's a no brainer right that in special forces selection you're selecting and you're assessing guys who want to be the best. And then once you identify them as being the best, they kind of shun everybody else yeah. that's there. That's, I think that's one of the reasons where stereotype is being egotistical because they think, oh, they, those guys, those SF guys think they're better than everybody else. And what we're taught in our culture is, yeah, we're, we're physically maybe more capable, mentally maybe more resilient, but through experience that makes us more humble, but it sets us apart. Right. And I think when you establish a standard, because any standard that's been established, I mean, the military is a is constant gates of standard that segregate and separate yourself, filter out maybe the weak or faint hearted, for lack of better terminology, till you are left with what you're standing with. Right. And so me and you, for example, on a sniper detachment, we had been filtered through the process. We had the same number of schools. I mean, I was obviously superior superior (laughs) to you. but Let's not forget to mention that.
1: Yeah, genetically. Every podcast, every live Instagram.
0: (laughs) No, you did it last time. You were like, how many kids in foreign country?" 16. Oh, I had 15. (laughs) I think that that says something, right? Setting setting that standard and then setting people apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, not to get too far off the team topic, but having standards – um, you know, I've heard a lot of guys in the community talk about standards and, and why they think they're in place. And, you know, standards are obviously something to have because when you meet a standard in a training environment, um, you meet the standard, it lets you know that you can move on to something else. Right. So the way that that was applied in special operations, we had a lot of things that we had to be good at. And, you know, you have to train to uh, the standard that you develop based off of what you see the need for that standard to be. Once you accomplish that, uh, you you had to move on because you had a lot of things to do. Um, But talking, you know, about the question in the team environment, um, I know we established what number one was. I don't know if these go in any specific order, but kind of one of the first things that I think about is, you know, for this guy specifically in his platoon is getting the guys to believe in what they're doing. And that comes from good communication with the guys and letting them know. So they're, they have a vested interest in what the outcome is. So that's literally in my mind, sitting the platoon down and talking to them like men, Hey, this is the the mission that we've been assigned. And then clearly setting out uh, the guidelines or the, you know, the ways ahead that you're going to accomplish that mission.
0: And- so, so number three, is defining the why yeah exactly defining the mission and uh, you know that's a, that's a good point you know I, I, these things are obviously coming to our heads and, and brains, <laughs> so in spurts of coffee and uh bangs and monsters but communication goes hand in hand with defining the why good communicators can clearly more clearly define the why than bad communicators thus better communicating the task and purpose that's at hand and in the military and in jobs where lives are on the line that's critically important right
1: yeah absolutely man um, being able to communicate with your guys and letting them letting them know why you're doing something you'll get buy-in from you know the majority i say that because you know in special operations it's not hard um, you know when you're dealing with with 11 other guys uh, and you're communicating what the mission is to them and because of the you know level of professionalism, uh, guys understand that and and they gravitate uh, towards getting the job done. Um, unfortunately, in the regular army, sometimes you don't always have that right. So what I what I kind of equated that to was hey the majority. So if the majority in the platoon understands and believes in what you're doing, um, then that you know you're going to be successful. And sometimes you've got some shitbirds and they're not going to go along with the program. And in my you know, personal and professional opinion, they need to be isolated and removed um, because they can be a cancer. Toxic.
0: Yeah. yeah so, I, you know, I just, in my brain, how my brain works, I'm thinking about the subtask or the, I would say the bullet points underneath defining the why or defining the mission. And these, these have to do with communication. But some of the things that I've been taught and some of the things that I've implemented as a leader in special operations is number one, you, you have to sync people Right. When you have a team dynamic, you have to bring people together and give them the clear and concise guidance on what you want. You, you intend. Maybe maybe your intent is the commander's intent and then by through the commander's intent, which is, you know, if it's a corporate setting, it could be the CEO's master plan. Well, you at the tactical level or the execution level have to f- define your clear tactical objectives. Uh, so your, your intent's a little bit more refined. And then you have to give that clear and concise guidance to your subordinates. I think the problem with a lot of companies and a lot of units nowadays is they don't clearly disseminate that kind of information to their subordinates. Which re- you know, our brains, especially in the military, our brains are striving for structure. We want that structure, and maybe it's a morale thing. Maybe people just get stupid and weird because they don't—they don't—they're not given guidance. It's like having a dog off the leash, just running around in a pet park. As soon as you give him guidance and instructions, he go he snaps back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. That was an Eminem joke. Um, so he goes, he go, he get they get back and they go get restructured. And they go, damn, and they walk away from me, going, you know what, so and so, or or Captain so and so is squared away because they have the information. When I was in the infantry, and you probably experienced this, remember waiting on the word? That was an actual oh, yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. where you were just in the barracks cleaning a machine <laughs> gun, watching porn, playing video games, cleaning your machine gun, going, what the f- is happening? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when somebody brought you together and said, hey, listen, guys, or hey, listen, platoon or, or company, this is what's going down. You're like, oh, well, fuck. Now I feel squared away. And I have a purpose, right? So, you know, you have to bring your guys together. You have to sync them and you have to be clear and concise about the why. Yep.
1: No, I think, and I think these, these are all great points. And then, you know, I think you can tell just by Mike and I uh, talking and brainstorming through this, you know, how all these start to tie in together, you know, and then uh, maybe you organize them in your mind the way that you think that they should flow. But I think these are like the key elements, uh, you know, to, to building a team and then, you know, having a team thrive uh, in, in an environment.
0: You, you know, what's and I want to emphasize this again, because this is good for combat leaders, but also for corporate leaders or just leading your family in general. You, you have to deliberately do these things. I, I know a lot of people conceptually think about this and go, okay, you know, this is a good idea. And when the idea manifests itself, they might execute it. But if you're deliberate about the processes that we're talking about, you'll be able to implement this. And, and you know what? It might just be in an instance. It might be off the cuff uh, time-wise during the day. But if you institute this throughout the day, it starts to resonate and starts to make sense. And then you start to see the results. So how you could do it, number one, is we use, we use a checklist in everything we do in the mill. I mean, we use military, military free fall, jump master, sniper operations, you know, actions on the ground, patrols, the list goes on and on. Right. Make a checklist. And if you're a combat leader in the morning, have little boxes and check the block. Say, I'm going to have a meeting, a sync meeting at 1300 with these guys. I'm going to put out clear and concise instructions and guidance. I'm going to do physical fitness training with them and identify based off an army physical fitness test, who's the strong, who's the weak. All these things are going to benefit and not only benefit you as a leader, but benefit you as a team.
1: That's a a practical way to do it when you're young and growing up as a leader is uh, maybe having a checklist like Mike is talking about. And it just it's not literally like when we say check the block, you hear that a lot in the military and it's used in an, sometimes in a negative connotation. But what we're saying here is like you're literally like going down the list and, and checking um, and using it as a reference to, to fall back on so
0: you don't forget uh, key elements to build in the team. Absolutely. I just, number four just popped in my head. Bam, just Bam. like that. It reminds me of uh, the Care Bears. Remember the Care Bears in the, in the 80s? We were
1: before the you Bears. talk about this, let's talk about how we're positioned right now
0: recording this podcast. So before we go on to number four.
1: <laughs> Mike is in a dreamy position right
0: now. I'm like literally lay- <laughs> We're laying on the carpet in front of the, our iPhone 7 because it's the best recording device we have. There was a guy doing the yard outside earlier that was yeah. that
1: with a weed whacker that was really loud so we couldn't do it on, we couldn't record in our normal
0: spot. Yeah. And then the the laundry stuff was going downstairs. I'm proned out Next, you're, you're tactical. I'm
1: tactical. And with I'm a cup like, of coffee.
0: I'm flavorful. And
1: you're on a date. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm laying <laughs> you're comfortable you're, you're side scorpioning
0: me right now. <laughs> this is my fighting position now. That used to be my fight. The, the side scorpion,
1: I think, is the position you're
0: in. <laughs> Why are my pants off? That's weird. <laughs> I'm literally in my underwear right now. Santa Claus underwear. All right. So number, number four, four sorry, Care Bears. I, yeah. it, it popped in my head that sharing is caring. Oh, man. Yeah, that's... We just lost like 100,000 followers. <laughs> 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 no, it, literally, sharing is caring. And here's what I mean. When you share information with your guys – from their perspective it means that you have a they they see you as having a vested i think it's vested interest yeah. in their lives whether that's from actually putting them together and mentoring them individually talking to them about their family sharing information on the news that's relevant to your position all these things that that are conversations beyond the black and white you know military protocol or disseminating of black and white information, it fills this gray space, this gray matter where they go. I think it connects with their emotional side that, Hey man, these, these guys not, are, not only are leaders in the military, but they care about me. Yeah. And it's the human side, the human side. Yeah. So when they look, when it comes to a team dynamic, how that affects the team dynamic. Here's the example, like uh, all my guys, and this is probably the sharing is caring slash mentor your guys. I've had several team sergeants in my special forces career, just like Kurt. Some of them were good administratively. Some were good tactically, but I've had both ends, not the in-between. And I always wanted to be the team sergeant that was like, that could do both. I never wanted to, because I knew admin drove the train towards the mission. And if you drop that ball, they weren't going to be able to do their jobs. So one thing I believe firmly in is counseling my guys. I always gave my guys initial counseling whereby I told them the, the standard expected, I told them their job, their duties and responsibilities, but I also looked and analyzed their short-term and long-term goals, both personally and professionally. I made them all have a short-term three goals, a long-term three goals in the professional and personal category. And it wasn't just a box that I like to check. It was something that we discussed. And when we discussed these things, my job was as a good leader was to figure out how I can get them to accomplish their short-term and long-term goals. Because I knew I had to do, you know, whether it was quarterly, I I knew that we had a follow-up. And that follow-up wasn't just a check the block where I looked at them and said, Okay, you're we're we're here to talk about your your performance thus far. It was more than that. I wanted to say, hey you wanted to go to college. And personally, that's what you wanted to do. I gave you extra time off because I personally care about you accomplishing your goals. What's your status? Well, yeah, I just finished three courses and that was awesome. And then I go, oh shit, you finished three courses. Let's mark that out. Let's look on something else that, could, that you could set as your new 25 meter goal. That kind of, you know, for me, it's not about me. It's about them But the relationship between me and my guys was they knew that, hey, Mike doesn't care about, just care about our careers and the bottom line. He also cares about developing us personally. And again, that's an individual leader to individual, but it can translate into a team setting.
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, when you put the time and energy as a leader uh, into individual members of the team, um obviously that lets guys know that you have a lot of buy-in and you have a vested interest. We keep using a vested interest, I think, because we heard that in the military a lot, but um you have a, you know, a pretty serious interest in uh the well being of your guys. And in my experience over almost twenty years of service, uh people respond to that. And I think they do irregardless of if you're in the military or you're a civilian. Um, it just shows that you genuinely care about people. And uh, as a leader,
0: you should be doing that. Yeah, 100%. I think 100% that y- you need to show in everything that you do that they're the priority. And, and it's not something that you... This isn't a deliberate process and the fact that it's kind of how you should live your life, whether it's your family, friends, I mean, your, your pets. Generally speaking, you should put them first before yourself and, you know, that's an individual value. Like, I think mean, that's to develop. For example, like number one is I would never eat before my guys. We could be in a chow hall. We could be in the field. I would always make sure that they were fed and they were taken care of. And whatever rations were left, I would take. And I would put their needs and desires first. That this, anything from food to sleep, you know, it could be anything. School slots. I would never let them see me putting myself first in any position because it was important that they understood that uh, they had a selfless leader that was willing to put the needs of the team first and their individual uh, selves first over mine, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: I think it makes perfect sense. And I think the interesting, again, dynamic about all the things that we're talking about is that, Hey, leadership is part as a key dynamic in a team environment. Ultimately, somebody has got to be in charge and somebody um, has to be responsible for the team. So I think kind of one of the takeaways here is um, not only uh, you know some of the individual or not individual things, but some of the steps that we're talking about to building a good team. But specifically for the guy that that asked the question is is building yourself or you know putting time and energy into learning yourself and what makes a good leader. What makes a good leader of a team. Um, so. Obviously, this was a good question. Uh, Mike and I have a lot of experience in this area, the amount of time that we both spent on teams and the good and uh, bad leaders that we had and all the things that we learned from them. I feel like we've got like we were talking about this the other day, like a combined almost 40 years of experience um, in the military between combat, uh, you know, stateside work and, and all the different things that we've done throughout our careers. We've seen just a lot of things. Yeah,
0: I, I think the the wrap up, just like you said, where you talk about individual learning yourself individually is a huge component to being the leader of a team, right? If if you're a shitbag leader, your team's not going to follow you. one one of the One of the things I used to always say, and I I say it even today, is is you you can't demand respect in any aspect. And I've seen it so many times. You've probably, you've seen it too, where where leaders come in and because of their rank, they think they're entitled to respect, Right. you have to command it. And what I mean is you have to carry yourself in a way, being humble, being honest, or having integrity, having a, a value system, uh, leading by example, all these different things, these attributes of leaders. When you command that in your own presence, in the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, people are naturally going to follow you. You know, when I was in the military, and I'm not going to blow up my leadership skills, but I I had an expectation for myself, but I was an informal leader, meaning the peers that were around me that might've been uh, equal to me in rank, time and service gravitated towards my position because I believed in the mission so much. And I followed a set standard that I was able to be an informal leader because I commanded myself in a way. I never asked that of my peers. I never demanded that of my peers, but I commanded it. If you're put in a position of power of responsibility then you need to step up to the plate and make sure you know your job. Make sure you understand the mission set. Make sure you're the fastest, the strongest, the most intelligent. And if you're not, identify who is to make the overall team stronger.
1: Absolutely. You know? I think, you know, another key component to that, um, and you got me thinking about it, was especially as as an officer in the infantry, and I think this holds true for officers in uh, special operations as well, is that, not only, um, obviously, you're taking responsibility for everything that the, uh, in this case, the platoon uh, fails uh, or accomplishes is being able to listen, you know, and being able to recognize who in the platoon has a combat experience or who has experience right on the detachments. You know, typically the the team leader or the captain would come in and, and he would be uh, one of the uh, the lesser experienced guys on the team. And, and one of the things that I always responded well to were the guys that showed up and they listened first before they decided to make decisions. So taking in input, ultimately at the end of the day, you're responsible for the decision, but you can go about that in a couple different ways. And one of those is you can listen to no one um, and, and try to do it, go it alone, or you can, you know, foster this team environment where you take input from guys and then make educated decisions. And I think You'll find that that course of action uh, will make all of you more
0: successful. I, I think. Lastly, in conclusion, to sum that up is you have to you have to lead your team through a corporate model, a successful corporate model, which is leveraging all the talent that you have internal to the unit. Hell yeah! And develop that team using the skill sets that you have available. A lot of people and a lot of units. The first thing you want to do is they want to look external. They want to see who the subject matter experts are. They want to bring in guest instructors. They want to do all this external stuff, but they don't leverage the talent that they have internal to their unit.
1: Yeah, they didn't even look at what they had right in front of them.
0: Yeah. So look at your team as an asset, right? Because, I mean, let's say we're on a patrol in Afghanistan. Well, if you got dudes who grew up in the country, for example, who have good eyesight, they have a, a sick sense about themselves. They've been hunting their entire lives. You know what? Their ability to read the environment and atmospherics is probably going to be better than maybe the guy from the city. That's, a, that's an example. But you put those guys up front, you empower them based on that position, and they're going to perform because they don't want to let you down. They don't want to let the team down. You, you have to leverage and empower the guys that you have at your disposal to maximize the efficiency of the team. The infantry units, the special operations units, the teams that exist in the military are some of the most talented teams in the world. Definitely internalize that and look inside before you look out. Hell yeah. I think it's a good episode, man. I have 38 minutes of brainstorming. My brain hurts already. <laughs> I'm ready to take a nap. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, uh,
1: no, this was, you know, I think it's good uh, sometimes for us to be a little bit unprepared in the sense of, uh, we get a question and then we just, hey, we go. We kind of, we free flow with our brains and uh, and let all of these ideas out and try to pass
0: on all these experiences that we've had. We're like the uh, Slim Shadies <laughs> of uh, the podcast world. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate you guys' support. We appreciate everything you guys do for us as far as, you know, subscribing, feedback, the word of mouth, signing up for courses. We have a little bit of swag up on the internet now on philcraftsurvival.com. We got t shirts, hats coming. We got more coming. We got yeah. more coming. We kind of had to rebuild ourselves and 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 redefine ourselves, but that's okay. It was a good reset button, and we're kicking things off for the rest of this year to be great and glorious. Hell yeah! Uh, so it's gonna be awesome. So thanks guys for tuning in. You can got check uh, my Instagram stuff at at Survivor <laughs> and Survival. Uh, don't worry about Kurt's stuff. <laughs> What's yours? Kurt underscore Team Philcraft. Yep, no big deal. And,
1: and did you get the website, www.philcraftsurvival.com? You don't have to say www every time.
0: because Okay. Just, God damn, dude. Damn it.
1: Damn it. Philcraftsurvival. <laughs> I hope I have a job after this podcast.
0: <laughs> you always have a job. Maybe not paid. you would just be a buddy of mine. <laughs> Helping out. Consulting for free. <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time, stay alert. Stay alive.